love getting to see the family of God coming together. My name is Joe Polino, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I just want to say, hey, welcome to Antioch, Dallas. Man, oh man, so good to be in the house of God together. Hey, before... Before we jump in, I just want to put a special plug in for the Antioch Discipleship School. Uh, man, this school has been so impactful, like Marshall said, to so many in our church, but also so many in the Antioch uh, network of churches. I went to the school many, many years ago when I was just out of college and trying to figure out uh, how to be a Christian and, and do my first job. And I actually went to the school with Sean Conroy. Is he here? Sean? Sean? Oh, no, I called him out on the one Sunday he's not here. But I was going to say, Sean, I didn't know him at the time, but Sean actually met his now wife, Namitha, at the discipleship school. So maybe we'll get him to do a plug up here. But I would just say uh, it has been such a blessing to me, and I want to have an opportunity for everyone in our church at some point to go through it. So go to AntiochDallas.org backslash ADS to check it out. Well, hey, since today is a family service Sunday, I wanna recognize a few people in the room. First group of people, if you serve on our kids ministry team, can you raise your hand? Can we clap for these people? I just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. We have an amazing kids ministry team who come alongside parents to love and invest in their kids. Thank you for serving time and time again. I also just wanna recognize our kids ministry leadership team. So that is Donnie, Macy, and Danielle. Can y'all stand up? Yep, stand up, Macy, come on, come on, stand up. Give her a hand. Let's go, there's Danielle right there. So we are so thankful for you. We are blessed to have you as our kids team leaders and the culture of our kids ministry team is rich and vibrant because of your leadership. And then last but not least, kids in the room. If you are a kid or a kid at heart, raise your hand, raise your hand. Let's give our kids a hand. We are so, so excited that you're here. Now, hey, I have a question for you kids. I have a question. What have you been learning Kids, what have you been learning in your, in your classes the last few weeks? Can someone shout out what is something that you've been talking about and learning? I heard multiplication. Wow, that's good. What's another thing that you've been learning? That's a good thing. Yeah, about the Bible. Have you been learning about forgiveness? Okay, all right. Well, hey, we're all going to learn about forgiveness today. Yeah, that's awesome. That went differently in my head, but you know what? Hey, we're going to roll with it. Well, hey, uh, for our adults in the room, this is actually week three of our six-week Identity in Christ practice. So just to catch everyone up to speed, if you're new, we passed out these bookmarks that have simple instructions of how to practice knowing who we are in Christ and getting that identity deep in us. And we just follow the four R's of, number one is we read scripture. Number two is we receive God's truth. Number three is we reject lies that oppose that truth. And number four, we just repeat this daily. We pray, we ask God to do it in our hearts. 
And so we've been doing this over and over again. And so practically we read scripture. We've been in the book of Ephesians. So we've been reading Ephesians chapter one through chapter two, verse 10. And then we're just asking God, what is one truth today that you want me to, to receive? And then, hey, what is a lie that, I, that is blocking that truth from coming in? And then number four, as we pray this prayer, we say, Father, thank you that I am fill in the blank, whatever the truth is in Christ. And I reject the lie that I am fill in the blank. And I receive this truth today and trust in you. And so today, this morning, we are going to learn that in Christ, we are forgiven in Christ. We are forgiven in Christ. And it comes from this verse in Ephesians 1, verse 7. It says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us, okay? But I have a question for you. Have you ever had a birthday gift or a Christmas gift where you've been given something and you're not sure what to do with it? So you say, you know, you, you receive a gift and you can tell the other person's waiting for, their, for your response, but it's a gift that either you don't know what to do with or it's a gift that has a little bit of a message like, I think you need help. I think you need this. So let me give an example. Maybe you had a, a, a sweater at some point or a piece of clothing that was handcrafted for you by your grandmother or your aunt. And she was like, can you please try it on? Can you please show me a picture of you wearing it to school? And you're just like, thank you so much, but you really, you really shouldn't have. I appreciate that, but you really shouldn't have. Or is it a gift where someone is saying, hey, I think you need this. Like, wow, a three-month membership to LA Fitness with a personal trainer. That is so generous. I don't remember talking to you about working out or exercising. How, how did you know I needed this gift? Like maybe there's, a, there's an implied message. I had a, kind of a funny example of this recently for my birthday. I was given an AirTag. An AirTag helps you find your keys when they are lost. I don't remember asking for this gift, but I think the point is that I'm forgetful, so I probably did ask for it, but I don't know. So hidden in this gift is this message that happy birthday, I love you, you lose your keys all the time. I am done being your key finder. Let's let Apple do it for us. Happy birthday, happy birthday. So that was... That's an example of a funny gift where we're thankful we received it, but we don't really know like how to receive it or we don't know what to do with it. And I was just thinking about this Sunday and praying for this message and praying about forgiveness. And I think the forgiveness of God can feel a little bit like a gift that we're given, but we don't really know what to do with it. We don't know the value of it. You know, a gift is meaningful when we see how much it the value of it is, or we see the love of the gift giver through it. But sometimes the forgiveness of sin is one of those things where it's like, I, I know that I should be grateful for it, but I don't fully understand how this is meaningful. And so today we are going to celebrate that we are forgiven in Christ for three reasons, three reasons, okay? Number one, we're gonna celebrate that we are forgiven in Christ because the cost of sin is great. The cost of sin is great. Number two, we're gonna celebrate because the love of God is greater. 
And number three, the forgiveness of God never runs dry, never runs dry. So that's what we're gonna do this morning. So number one, hey, the cost of sin is great. So what is sin? What is sin? Sin is when we turn away from God's ways and His leadership, and we say, I wanna go my own way. So last week in big church, the adults went through Genesis chapter three, and we learned in Genesis that God created the whole world and us with a perfect design that we would be in one relationship with him. We'd be in unity with God. We would be in unity with one another and we would partner with him in the earth. And, and, and so we see in the world today that we, there are good things that God created us for good, uh, for loving him and loving people. But we also see that there's a lot of brokenness. And in Genesis three, Adam and Eve, they sinned. They turned away from God's way. How did they do this? Well, God blessed them. He said, I've given you everything you need to be happy, but I wanna warn you, do not eat from one tree because if you eat from that one tree, it'll kill you. And so Adam and Eve, instead of obeying God, they went to the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they ate the fruit of the tree. And so they said, I'm not going to follow your way, God. I'm going to follow my own way. And that's called sin. But the cost of sin is great because what happens in Genesis three, we'll read is starting in verse seven, this is what happened. It says, then the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, so what's happening here? So before they sinned, there was nothing to hide. But when they sinned, their eyes were open and they looked for fig leaves to cover themselves with. Then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees. So we see here that instead of God who loves them, who created them, when they hear him, instead of running to him, they hide. It's like they're afraid. It's like something, the cost of sin has broken the relationship with God. And so now the God who loves them and provides for them and created them instead of going to him, they are afraid of him. And then it goes on to say in verse nine, but the Lord God called out to man, where are you? And the man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman that you put here, she gave me some of the fruit. So what do we see here? We see that Adam, instead of saying, yes, I sinned, I ate it, he's blaming his wife Eve. So what is the consequences of sin? We just see three things right here. One, is that it breaks relationship with God. God loves us and created us for Him. But because of sin, we're now afraid of Him or we don't understand Him. And we put on fig leaves to cover up this sense of, man, there's something wrong with me. And then this broken relationship with one another, that Adam is pointing the finger at Eve instead of him saying, you know what, I did it. I'll take responsibility. He blamed her. And so we see in the world today, Man, people are not kind to each other. 
People are wrong to each other. There are wars. There are divisions. It's grievous. It's not how God created it. That's the cost of sin. And then there's a broken world where it says that the creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed, that even creation itself is waiting for God to fully redeem everything. And so we see here that why does this matter to us though? How does this affect us today? Again, okay, I've been given this gift of forgiveness in Christ. What does that actually mean? Well, if we go to Genesis 3, 7 through 8, it says that there were fig leaves that they were trying to cover up their nakedness. Okay, now we might chuckle and say, well, hey, my two-year-old isn't really afraid of his nakedness, as our neighbors know. You know, he, he tries to get rid of his clothes. But it's not just about our physical bodies. There's something that it's talking about in our souls that we try to cover up, that we don't want people to see, right? And if you put up a picture of a fig leaf, that's a fig leaf. Not, not, not the worst leaf to try to cover yourself, but can you imagine trying to sew those together to actually make some sort of shirt or pants or something? Do you think that that would last long? No, because they're dead leaves. They're brittle, right? And so today you might be like, well, we have cotton, we have different things that we wear. How does this apply? Well, today your fig leaf might not be closed, but it might be something that you're using to cover up a place inside of sin, of shame or guilt. You know, this past week, I went to a Texas Rangers baseball game with my wife. It was a gift for my birthday. I love baseball. And we were laughing just to see people's reaction when they were on the Jumbotron, right? And so if you're on this big screen, there's something that happens to you where you just kind of do something funny or you, you know, it's just, it's just fun to watch. But imagine if all of your thoughts and all of your actions and all of the things that you did, even let's just take the let of the last week, were put on the video of the Jumbotron for everyone to see. How would you feel? How would you feel? I imagine you would feel a little embarrassed maybe and maybe a little exposed even. And part of that is because there's, a, there's, there's sin inside of us that is costly, that God is trying to remedy us. But we can't fix ourselves. It's like fig leaves are bad clothes. It's like us trying to fix ourselves out of brokenness. So here's some examples of some fig leaves that I thought of. Maybe you can identify with one or two of these. Why do some people try so hard to please people? Why do some people make fun of others and bully them? Why do some people keep others at a distance and don't want anyone to get close to them? And why do others seem to have no boundaries? Why do some adamantly reject God in any sense of morality or right or wrong? And why do others try with all their might to be perfect? Why do some kill themselves trying to be successful at work or earn the approval of someone? Why? I put before you that I think these are fig leaves trying to give us identity that we were not meant to get from those things, a different form of idolatry, right? So for us, man, what are some of those fig leaves? And I just say for me, even this week, I felt a feeling of inadequacy as I was preparing this message saying, man, I should know this by now. Man, I should, I should know uh, 
this in and out, but I felt like I felt inadequate. And then when I felt inadequate, then I felt embarrassed. So I couldn't tell, uh, I didn't want to tell my wife or tell uh, my friends like, hey, I'm, I'm having trouble this week. And so then there were other fig leaves that I went to of like, man, I got to make this message perfect. And I was like, oh, it's not going to be perfect. Well, I'm going to check what's going on in sports. So my fig leaf was comfort. Then it was ice cream. Then I went, you know, back. And so that was my week. And it was like this snowball downhill just piling up. And I, by when it came to Friday, my wife could tell you she could sense that something was wrong. And it was because instead of operating and going to my heavenly father and going to my brother or sister in Christ and saying, hey, can you pray for me? I'm struggling right now with feeling guilt and shame because I'm having trouble with this teaching. That instead of that, I was trying to put fig leaves on. Are you guys tracking with me? You guys with me? And so as soon as I, as soon as she asked me, uh, Amy, my wife, hey, are you okay? And I confessed, it broke something. And it was like truth came back in. And so for us today, hey, Father, thank you that I am forgiven in Christ. And I want us all to reject the lie that fig leaves can cover up your sin, that fig leaves are the answer. They're not, they're not. God is the answer, his forgiveness. And let's receive this truth today. And this brings me to my second point of why we can celebrate the forgiveness of God, we are forgiven in Christ, is because God's love is greater than the cost of our sin. So let's go back to our verse, Ephesians 1, 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. What does redeemed mean? Well, we don't use it that often in our common day language, but when we buy something, we redeem it. And in biblical language, to be redeemed means to release from another's possession by payment or to release from slavery by ransom, okay? So according to this scripture in Ephesians 1, 7, what did God pay for us? What was his payment? How did we get redeemed? It says in Jesus, we have redemption through what? Through what? What's, what is the fill in the blank answer? His blood. It's through his blood. It's through his blood. That's what he paid for. The, the, the cost of sin was great, but the love of God was so, so much greater. I was just thinking about this hymn, one of my favorites. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ma'am, love, love that, 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 that hymn. And so Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So the only way for the sin to be covered was by a perfect sacrifice, and that's by his blood. But if you think about, back to that gift analogy, okay, the value of a gift, it's meaningful when we understand how valuable and how costly it was. So, you know, if you have a rich friend who gets you a nice gift, it's like, wow, I'm glad I have a rich friend because this is a really nice gift. But you might not feel like that person's love towards you is the same as say like when my daughter empties out her bank account to get dad something from the Target you know, $1 store, whatever that little trinket is, is extremely valuable to me. Why? 
because of the cost that she gave, right? So what was the cost to God? What was the cost of our forgiveness to God? Well, we see that in Matthew 26, here's what Jesus prayed. Here's what Jesus said before he went to the cross. He said, he said to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He told his disciples to stay here and keep watch. And then he says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as my will, but as you will. So he was in anguish. And then it says on the cross that about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He said, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so we see in here a hint of the cost of God the Father loved the world so much that he gave Jesus and that Jesus loved us so much that he gave not only his body, but you notice that he did not say as he was on the cross, my hands, my hands. He didn't say my feet, my feet. He didn't say my head, my head. Although those things were hurting him, he had nails in his hands. He had nails in his feet. He had thorns on his head. His lungs couldn't breathe. What did he say? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The most ultimate cost that Jesus prayed for you and me is that he experienced for the first time in all of eternity, separation from the Father. And it was absolute agony. Jesus and the Father are one. They have always been one. And the cost was that the Father gave the Son and the Son willingly said, yes, I will be separated from you for, for our payment, that the punishment that we deserved was put on Jesus. Wow. So if you ever doubt, ever doubt the lie that God does not love you and you think, well, God died for the whole world when he was up on that cross, he was thinking of every single one of you every single one of you. He was thinking of you and he said, even if it was just for one of you, even if it was just for Remus, even if it was just for Brett, even if it was just for Pierre or Emily, just one, he would pay that cost for you. He would do that for you. Isn't that amazing? The love of God is greater. And I, I just wanna put this up. You might be on a journey of you have this gift offered to you of forgiveness but I just felt like today, today's the day to kind of take that gift and evaluate it. You know, I, this, this graph has helped me. I've shown it before, but if you look at one side of the graph, the things that you value are high on the graph and the things that you don't value are low. So maybe starting out, you're like, hey, I hear about the forgiveness of sins in the cross, but you know what? I think that's nice and all, but I actually value my independence. I want... I value my own way over God's way. But then over time, God just keeps showing you his love, showing you his grace. And you're like, hey, maybe I need this forgiveness. Maybe I'm not good at this covering up my sin. Maybe these fig leaves aren't working. And so then you go more towards the middle. And as your, the value of your sin goes down, the value of God's grace begins to look more and more apparent until it comes to a, a decision point. And you say, I wanna follow Jesus. You make a decision for Christ. And that's an amazing day. And we wanna invite you to even consider what that could look like by going to baptism class after this service. 
But that decision for Christ, it doesn't just end there. This is a gift that just keeps on giving and giving because once we are in Christ, it's not like we stop sinning. We keep growing and we realize, wow, our sin runs deep, but his grace runs even deeper. And so the cross, which looked like an insignificant gift at first, just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can just say, hallelujah, thank you, God. I am forgiven in Christ. It's a, it's a new, it's a, it is the one road for a new identity and a new relationship with God. It's forgiveness. That's the door. That's the door. So praise God for that. Well, that brings me to my last, my last point, which is that cost of sin was great. The love of God was greater. But then thirdly, the, the forgiveness of God can never run dry. When you were forgiven, you were not put on a payment plan to pay back your debt and say, you know what? I'll cancel most of your debt, but you gotta make these payments over the next 12 months. He didn't do any of that. Your debt, you could not have paid back and he paid it all, past, present, future. It is full, it is paid for. His blood, you are forgiven. That, that should be like over your head wherever you go. I am loved and I'm forgiven in Christ. But this reality takes a lifetime to actually learn and experience. And so I just wanna end with this image that I, I just kept thinking of from the book, um, Voyage of the Dawn Treader from the Chronicles of Narnia. Kids, anyone? Chronicles of Narnia? Okay, we got some fans. Chronicles of Narnia is not just for kids, it's for grownups too. I'll just put that plug, okay? But there's a part in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, kids, maybe you can help me out, where there's this one kid named Eustace Scrub. Eustace Scrub. And he's about as pleasant as his name sounds, okay? He is selfish. He is a whiner. He is absorbed in his own, in his own world. And he somehow gets put into this adventure in Narnia and he is just making it miserable for everyone else on this voyage. And so Eustace goes away from the group and he actually stumbles upon this cave. And in this cave is, is treasure, treasure that you can't imagine, just gold and diamonds. And it's actually the lair of a dragon, but the dragon inside of it is dead. And so Eustace is thinking through, how can I hoard all of these riches? How can I... How can I use these? How can I not give this to anyone else? And he falls asleep in this cave and he wakes up and to his surprise, he actually has become the dragon. Eustace has become the dragon. In this picture, this is Eustace crying as the dragon. And so Eustace at first feels liberated because he's like, now no one can hurt me. Now I can do whatever I want because I'm powerful and I'm this dragon. But then eventually that wears out and he realizes that he is doomed to be lonely forever, that no one can love him as a dragon. And so he's in this predicament and he goes back and he tells his group that he's actually the dragon and they don't know what to do. And so one night as he's asleep, Aslan, the lion who represents Christ, comes to Eustace and he says, follow me. And he takes Eustace up a mountain and they come to this well of clear water. And Aslan tells Eustace to undress, 
to take off your clothes. And Eustace is like, I'm not wearing any clothes. I'm a dragon. I don't understand what's going on. But then he's like, he begins to understand what Aslan's saying and that like dragons kind of like snakes can take off layers of their skin. So Eustace begins to claw at his scales and he takes off a full, a full layer. And then Aslan just is looking at him again, take it off. And so he does this three times. But as he's taking off these layers, it's like representing sin. He still realizes there's, there's sin under here that I can't get rid of. And so then Aslan looks at him and he says to him these words. I'm gonna read, you, read it from, to you from the book. So then the lion said to Eustace, you will have to let me undress you. But Eustace said, I was afraid of his claws. I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate by now. So I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt, it hurt worse than anything I'd ever felt. Well, he peeled that beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker, more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there was I smooth and soft as peeled switch smaller than I had been. And then Aslan caught hold of me and I didn't like that very much because I was very tender underneath now that I had no skin on. And then he threw me into the water and it smarted like anything, but only for a moment. And after that became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone and that I had turned into a boy again. And that's a beautiful metaphor, analogy for how for us in Christ that God has paid for our forgiveness of sin. But as you and I know, there are layers. And so my invitation for us as we're closing this message is when Aslan said, let me undress you, in some ways he's saying, come out of hiding. Take off with the fig leaves that are covering it and let me minister to you. Let me call you my beloved. Let me take the sin and put it on me. Amen? Amen. So I can invite the worship team up. And we wanna celebrate this forgiveness in Christ today, right? We wanna celebrate this gift that the cost the cost of sin was great, his love was greater, and that his grace, his forgiveness never runs dry. You can't exhaust it. There's only deeper layers of meaning. And so the way I wanna end before we have fellowship time is by just three things. Number one is that in hearing this, you might realize that you've never really made a decision to fully give your life to Jesus. You've never made a decision to say, as Eustace did to Aslan, I'll let you lead me and I'll let you throw me in the water. And I wanna invite you, if that's you, to go to our baptism class right after this service. So that might be some of you in the room. Some of you might need to ask Holy Spirit to identify what lies or what fig leaves we're using to cover up uh, a feeling of sin or shame and to open that up to the Lord. And if that's you, just wanna invite you as we sing this next song, just open yourself up and say, Holy Spirit, would you come and tell me how much you love me? And is there anything blocking me from experiencing this? And then lastly, for all of us, 
In a moment, we're gonna stand there. We're gonna sing a new song. The worship team had a practice a couple weeks ago and they're singing this new song. Some of you might know it called, I Am Your Beloved. It's by Jonathan David Helster. And here's how the lyrics go. It says, I've heard the accusation. I've heard the propaganda. I've heard the lies that they've whispered to my soul that I have been forsaken and I'll always be forgotten. No matter what I do, it's not enough. And in that first stanza, it's talking about the lies that we believe because of sin or we've heard from the devil or from other people, but this is the gospel. But then I heard a voice and it opened up the heavens, reminded me of who I've always been. I am your beloved. You have bought me with your blood and on your hand, you've written out my name. I am your beloved, the one the, the Father loves. Mercy has defeated all my shame. So I want us all to stand and we're gonna respond by singing this song together. So Jesus, thank you that we are forgiven in Christ, that this amazing gift that you have offered is for all of us. Lord, I pray, God, that these would not just be words that we hear or a gift that we receive and then put on the shelf, but it would go deep into our very identities. Go deep, God. So we pray all this in Jesus' name.